Our scripture reading this morning comes from Colossians 3, 1 through 10, which is actually the same text that JP will be preaching on. So uh, that's on page 639, if you'd like to follow along. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. This is God's word. Good morning. Glad you're here to worship with us this morning. As I was uh, thinking about our series and what we're doing, it reminded me of a story that uh, my brother-in-law told me recently about uh, a terrible pain that he had. And uh, as he was explaining this story to me, he was talking about how he had chipped a tooth in the back of his mouth and that uh, a nerve was exposed. And so each time he breathed in, the air would go across the nerve. And so uh, if you know my brother-in-law at all, you know, he is, he is what I would call a man's man. Not much bothers him at all. But as he told me this story, he said, I was on the floor in the fetal position about to cry that it hurt so bad. And it was awful. And so my sister got on the phone and called and tried to find a dentist that was open that could take care of this. And so they found one. And what happened is he walked in to the dentist and he said, I don't care what you'd have to do. Get this tooth out of my head right now. And so he said, so the story goes, uh, this little small man of stature climbs onto his chest, knee in his chest, and yanks this tooth out. No anesthesia, no nothing. Let's get it out right now. And so the pain was so bad and such that it had to be out right now. And he said the second it came out, it was like he could breathe. Oh. The, the relief of, of getting it out. And so I tell that this morning, and I was thinking about that this week, is, is that this, this pain of getting the tooth out, what would be awful in any other circumstance, to go in and say, just yank my tooth out, just do it right now. You would never do that except all this other that goes with it. And so today what we're going to do is we're talking about our growing in Christ, and as we're growing closer to him and what we do, today we're going to talk about in Colossians 3 about putting to death that which is earthly in us. That uh, what, what often happens as we talk about this is it's not an easy thing. It can be very hard to begin to look at our hearts and what's in there and those things and begin to grow closer to Christ. But I, but I use that example of pulling the tooth because sometimes there's things that are that are good hurts right? to, to get in there and get that out. The relief that came and what came as a result of it. Sometimes that's the way it is in our spiritual walk. There's things that hurts and it's hard to do and we don't want to do it, but we need to do it because of what comes through it and the growth that comes. And so that's really what we're talking about today. The difference, though, of my example and what we're talking about today is just that uh, the subtlety oftentimes of sin, we don't see it like this horrible pain. We can be deceived and we can be can be very subtle. And so there's little different than what we're going to talk about. But that's what we're going after and what we're going to be looking at this morning. And so what we've been saying in this series as we started a couple weeks ago is simply that we are saved 
by faith alone in Christ and what he's done for us and he saves us. And then as we were looking at Second Peter 1 a couple weeks ago, we see that. And then we see right after that that Peter says, and so make every effort to walk this out in your life. And so I just start with that and we say that every week as we're walking through this series, we're talking about growing in Christ and what it looks like in our lives. But we want to make sure that we don't confuse that that growing and what we're doing is how we save ourselves. That's not how we're saved. It's the picture in Scripture is we're saved by faith alone in Christ. And then we have a changed life as evidence that we've come to meet the knowing and living Lord of all. And so that's the picture that we're that we're going for. And we've been talking about. And so last week we talked about needing God's word over us to show us and teach us, rebuke us to 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 bring us closer to him. And, And so today what we're really looking at and thinking about is is using God's word and the things that he's given us to put to death that which is earthly in us. That's what we just read, what Chris just read for us. And so the idea is, is we are new creations in Christ. We put our faith in Christ and we have a new spiritual beginning. We were dead in our trespasses of sins and now we are made alive and what that looks like. But there's, there's oftentimes with all of us the sin that's, that clings to us, uh, what the Bible talks about, the old man or the sinful man. And so we have to go to war with our flesh. As we're walking out this new reality in Christ. And so that's what we're looking at today. And so we're going to spend time just going through these first 10 verses of Colossians 3. But before we do, I want to pray for us. And then we're going to just look at the few questions we're going to ask of this text and how we'll walk through that together. So let's pray before we do. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for what you've done for us in Jesus. We thank you for the gift of your very spirit now indwelling us, living here coming and empowering our worship. We pray this morning that you would be here in this place and that you would show us what you want us to hear today, that you would be our great teacher, that you would come and you would open our hearts and our minds. We pray this morning that as we look at these things, that you would convict us of the sin that is in our heart and our lives today, that you would begin to root those out so that we grow ever closer to you, ever clinging more to your grace. And so we just pray that you would move and you would be glorified in this time this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I I mention this every once in a while, but there is an outline in the bulletin, just basic idea, big picture. And so if you want to follow along with that, I'm going to ask three questions today. And we're going to seek to answer those from this text in Colossians 3. And this is the three questions we're going with. What keeps us from growing? Number one, number two, what is at stake or or another way to say that is how serious this is or 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 how important this is. And then lastly, third, how do we get serious about our growth? How do we really take seriously what this passage is talking about? Okay, so we've got what keeps us from growing. What is at stake and how do we get serious about our growth? So let's just start with what keeps us from growing. And I want you to look at verses one and two of Colossians three with me. It says, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. And if you look at verse 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And so what I want us just to start with thinking is is what he says when when we're asking the question of what keeps us from growing. Right. He tells us to set our minds on Christ. But then if we look at the negative side of that, he says uh, in verse two, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are of earth. Right. And then in verse five, he says, put to death that which is earthly. And he gives us this list. And then he concludes with saying all those things at their root is idolatry. 
And so as we start to think about the things that keep us from growing, the things that keep us from trusting more in Christ is that we're setting our mind on things of the earth. We're not setting our minds on Christ and what he's done, but on things of the earth. And, and that's where we start to see. And he starts to talk about what that looks like. And he gives us this list and he says, it's all idolatry. It all comes back to idolatry. And so as I was thinking of that this week and just, just praying through this and working on this, what came to mind is uh, Martin Luther. Martin Luther, the great reformer that nailed his 95 theses to the church door and set off the great reformation. And, and Martin Luther wrote about uh, at length about idolatry and at different things. And he, he asked the question in some of his writings where he said, you know, the Ten Commandments start with the first two commandments being no other God and, and no images, no idols. And he, and, and he just poses the question, why is that the case? Why do they begin with that at the very beginning of the Ten Commandments? And, and what Luther said is that the fundamental motivation behind not keeping the rest of the Ten Commandments, keeping God's law, is idolatry. That's the fundamental thing of putting something else in God's place. And so it makes sense when you start to put those together and think through those and the way that comes together that Paul would say here to set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of earth. And then he goes on to say that's idolatry. And so what we start to get is this picture of of how our growth is stunted, how our growth in Christ, how we don't do that is oftentimes because we can trace it right back to we're putting other things in God's place. Right? That's what we mean when we talk about idolatry and, and we consider that and, and what that looks like, that we're, we're having things that are functioning in God's place in our life. And that oftentimes happens. That happens for all of us at different times. As Christians, we confess that Jesus is the son of God and he has saved us and he has come in. But then oftentimes functioning in our life, he's not functioning as our savior and our Lord. We let other things slide into his place and we start to function that way. You know, in this list that Paul gives us, he says there is the last one. He talks about covetousness and he's talking about coveting and what that looks like. And I came across a, a definition this week and it was really good the way it was said. John Piper says it this way. He says uh, being uh, coveting is the, to desire something so much that we lose contentment in God. And so he was just even in that definition, it points us back to how coveting is at its root idolatry, that we've lost contentment in who God is and what he's doing. And we've sought to put other things in its place. And so we start to see that here in just the way. And so the importance of setting our sights on God and what happens when we set our sights on other things in God's place. And so I'd say that's what stunts our growth, right? That's what happens. And, and the problem here, though, and I mentioned this at the very beginning, is that this can be so subtle in our lives. Idols oftentimes, almost always are good things that we make ultimate things in our life. But the problem is they're good things and they're things that should be in our life and we should be doing and we should be pursuing. But they're always to come secondary to God. But because they're good things, they so easily slide into his place. And you can think of a lot of different things that that might be the case. One, your children, kids, or uh, marriage, your spouse, or just even the idea of marriage. We grow up wanting to be married and uh, little girls growing up dreaming of their wedding day and how that will fulfill all their dreams and all their stuff when I get married and all those things. And so subtly, marriage is a wonderful thing that God designed and he put together. And it's to help human flourishing and all these things. But when we make it the ultimate thing, it slides into that place and it causes problems. And so we could say that with so many things, with your job, 
Right? God wants us to work. Work is a good thing. He put us in the garden. Man originally to work. Work is not evil. Work was before the fall. Work can be a good thing. But when we make our work our whole world, that's, it's taken a place that it's not supposed to. And so what happens is that can be so hard because good things slide into ultimate things. Uh, another example, probably most prevalent in our society today, is sex. God designed sex for marriage. It was a good thing. He set it up. It's to be enjoyed in a monogamous, heterosexual relationship for life. And we've totally distorted that and twisted it and made it all these things that it's not supposed to be. And then we make it an idol. And you see that all over in our world today. And so what happens, though, is when we put these idols in our life, they'll betray us. It'll it'll turn on us. We put things in the place of God that can't sustain that. And we will end up with all sorts of problems when that's the case. You know, oftentimes when we think of different idols, one of the things that immediately comes to mind, one of the more obvious is uh, the idea of money being an idol. Money being an idol, we, we can say that a lot, and most people will agree that that's pretty clear. But I want you just to think for a second how subtle it can be in your life. Because when we say money is an idol, oftentimes, or, or I do, maybe you don't, but I, I think this is the case with most of us, we think of being extravagant spender and buying all kinds of things and buying everything you want, and you've got to have all the latest things. And so you can see that, and you look at that from the outside, and you kind of go, yeah, that's an idol of, of, of wanting to have uh, status symbols and power and different things. And you can go, yeah, like uh, if a guy buys multiple $100,000 cars, we go, yeah, that that's, looks like maybe that's an idol in his life. That's very easy to spot because if, if you're like me, and I think most of you are, you can't afford $100,000 cars. And so that's not really on your radar. And so when someone else is doing it, it's very easy to spot them in someone else. Right? I think maybe that's becoming an, an idol in his life. But the problem is it can be so subtle in the way that it works, in the way our heart. You know, Jeremiah 17 talks about how the heart is deceitful above all things. And our heart so quickly will make idols out of everything. I think I mentioned that last week. John Calvin says that, that our hearts are idol factories. We will so quickly make idols out of anything. And so what you get is, is yes, you see that side of money and you go, yes, that's become an idol. But I want you to think of the flip side of the person who saves everything. They don't spend anything. They sock it all away and they make sure they've got a great big savings account and they're, they're pouring money into their, their retirement and all these things and they save and they save and they save. And how quickly that can become an idol. We don't often think of it that way, but it can be. And that doesn't mean saving is a bad thing, but what happens though is if your security and your protection and control and all these things are wrapped up in how much money you have in your savings. Your savings may become an idol. And so money, even by saving and doing it in different ways, it can be so subtle and it starts to become an idol in your life. And that can be so detrimental to your growth. Instead of trusting God, you're trusting in your bank account. Right? And so that happens in so many different ways and we could see it in so many different things. And so I just want us to think about that. So when we think about why we're not growing or what cuts off our growth, oftentimes it's idols of our heart. Things that we're putting our functional trust in instead of God. And so we see that all the way through. And so that's the first thing. I want us now to think for just a second about what's at stake here. Why this is so serious. And if you look at verses 5 to 10 with me for just a second. And so Paul says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, covetousness. Which is idolatry. And then verse 6 says, On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked 
when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. And so I want us just to think about this in a couple ways, but first big picture idea, and we've been saying this over and over. You are saved by faith alone in Christ and what he does for you. But we've also been saving, saying each week that the picture that Scripture says, and it gives us this very clear warning, is that if you are now saved with Christ, your life will start to bear that out. You will have a changed heart and you will begin to walk in different ways and see in different ways. And so that doesn't mean you're saved by those works. Those works are evidence that you're saved. Right? We've been saying that each week, and I want to make sure that we see that so clearly. But there is this, this warning, and even here, that, that those that are saying they've been saved, but then the way they walk is no different. Right? It says you're lying to yourself. It says if you're doing that, don't lie to one another, saying that you've put off the old things and you're now walking in the new. Right? And, and the picture here is that if there's idols functioning in your heart, and there's idols to the point that Christ isn't really the Lord of your life, then you've never really put your faith in him. And if that's the case, that you're trusting in other things other than God, and that doesn't mean at certain times in your life those slide in and out as a believer. Remember, we said being a believer doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're growing. Right? When you put your faith in Christ, then you're growing and you're taking steps and you're moving towards closer to him. But if there's no growth and there's no nothing, that's where the Bible is very serious about that warning. That if there's nothing that bears marks of that in your life, that's very serious. And that's what verse uh, 6 says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Right? If you're not trusting Christ for your salvation, then God's wrath rests on you. Because payment has not been made for your sins. And so that is so serious that we see that. But then secondly, just functionally, as a Christian, as we begin to walk, I want us just to think about you truly are saved. You put your faith in Christ, but you're struggling with idols. Things coming in and out of your life and vying for the attention of your heart. And I want to give you just a couple of real quickly, a few warnings of what Scripture says about that, about how important it is, how seriously we need to take this. So just listen for just a second. Just a few things that it says. First of all, love of things, other things, anything other than God can never ultimately bring you satisfaction. Ecclesiastes 5 says it this way. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money. Right. And you could say the same thing with anything you try to plug in other than God being the center of your heart. The end of that verse says, nor he who loves wealth and his income. This is all so vanity. Right. And you see this picture that you will never be ultimately satisfied by things. Right. Scripture is very clear on that. Or, or, or secondly, or actually, as I was thinking about this, I, I watched a documentary the other day before I move on. Uh, it was on a movie uh, called Happiness. And it wasn't made by believers. It was it was not a Christian movie, but they were saying, what makes people happy? And, and one of the things that stuck out with me, and it, it just lit up in my mind as I read Ecclesiastes 5 this week, that uh, says that the average person, if uh, there's a huge difference between your happiness between someone who makes $5,000 a year and makes $50,000 a year. And what they found, the reason was, the reason they said, was because... Once you start to make a certain threshold, you have your basic needs met. Right? Your basic needs are now met. And, but then they, so there was a big difference between having very little to nothing to having your basic needs met. But then from 50000 to $5 million, they said the, the difference, the jump in happiness was minuscule. It was almost nothing. 
And so the, the point was, is yes, there's some, there's some connection to having your basic needs met, but having more and more stuff will never make you happy. And as I, as I was thinking about that and I was thinking back on that movie, then 1 Timothy 6 came to mind. But if we have food and clothing with these things, we will be content. Right. That's exactly what the Bible says. Right. That things will never make you happy, that, that more and more is not what will satisfy you. But let me give you just a couple others. Idols in your life, functional idols in your life will choke out your spiritual life. Right. And I say that because of Mark four, Jesus tells the story of the parable of the soils and the seed that's sown in different soils. And he talks about one being sown and then the the thorns growing up and choking it out. Right. He tells this parable and then he gets to the end and he tells what each soil means and how they're different. And this is what he says about the one with the thorns growing up. He says, and as for the others that were sown among the thorns, these are the ones who hear the word, the word of God, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires Desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful, right? And so Jesus says that when we become so obsessed with idols and different things and money and all that the world, the earthly things, it chokes out our spiritual life. It makes us unfruitful. Uh, Number three, think about this for just a second. It leads to many other sins, right? First Timothy six, money is the root of all kinds of evil, right? That, That when we put our attention and focus on other things, it will lead to all kinds of other sins and problems. When we make our lives about things that can't satisfy us, we'll do lots and lots of things to keep seeking to be satisfied and it leads to all kinds of problems. Or we could say it lets you down in a time of need. If you put your hope and your functioning trust in something other than Christ, it will ultimately let you down. Right again, first Timothy six, but with but godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we, can take, we cannot take anything out of the world. Right? And so it'll let you down. Right? You, you've probably heard the, the, the kind of joke before that no man on his deathbed ever said, I wish I spent more time at the office. Right? You get to a reality of your mortality and what's going on and where you are, and then all of a sudden you start to look back and think how I spent my time and what I chased after. And suddenly you realize you can't take any of that with you. Right. One, one last one here. And lastly, and, and most importantly, and then we'll move on to how do we get serious about this growth is that uh, when we make functioning idols in our lives, that will ultimately destroy your soul. And that's the most serious to think about in first Timothy six, nine. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a into a snare and into men many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And it's not just money or just things, but putting anything in God's place and chasing after it as it's your functioning idol will lead to all kinds of problems and ultimately destruction. And so I hope you see the seriousness of that. And I spend a couple minutes on that because I want us to then that move us to how to get serious about pulling these out getting serious about our growth, about removing these idols from our lives. And so, first of all, just as we begin and we think about this real big idea, big picture, first of all, uh, simply don't isolate yourself and put on a mask and pretend everything's okay. That's what we do. That's what we do in the church. That's what we do. We, we come to church and we, we often are functioning out of a, of a, a works-based righteousness, if people really know what I'm like, they wouldn't love me, and so I'm going to pretend everything's okay. Right? You have to stop. You have to stop that. 
That's the, that's the first part. You, you, at a base level, we have to get past that, that we're saved by Christ alone and we're hidden in him. And so that frees us to then go to war with that which is earthly in us. And so I want us to think about this for just a second. You know, when we start to think about how we grow and how this happens, the, the first thing we really need to consider is it, it happens through repentance. See, oftentimes when we say repentance, we think of when we first became a Christian or some big horrible thing happens and then we repent from it like it's a one-time thing or maybe a two-time, you know, I made a mistake, big mistake, and now I'll repent. And now... But the Christian life of, of really growing and constantly moving towards Christ is one of continual repentance, of continually going before God and having him show you that which is not of him and, and coming to that and then growing through that. Repentance and then faith. Coming back and, and laying those things at Christ's feet over and over. See, what happens is as we grow closer to God, as we see him more clearly, the more that gets revealed in us. There's a perfect picture in Isaiah chapter 6. If you know that passage, Isaiah stands before God on his throne. You know what I'm talking about, that passage, and he stands there before him. And this is what he says in Isaiah 6. Woe is me, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. So as we are growing closer and we are learning more about God's holiness and his greatness and all those things, the more that things get rooted out and begin to come to the surface. And so it's a life of continual repentance, of seeing the way that God is and how holy and perfect he is and continually coming back. Right. So seeking that and seeking to expose that and and coming back around, that's the, the Holy Spirit's working in your heart and revealing idols. And so we have to be serious about doing that. And that's why I started this morning with this idea of, of good hurts. Nobody wants to go and look at all the, the desires of their heart and lay them out there and go, look at how messed up I am. Right? Nobody goes, yeah, great. Let's do that. But it's the good hurt of what we need to do and we need to begin to look deep. And so I want us just to think for a second of, of some things. Uh, I'd call them diagnostic questions. How you begin to look at what the functioning idols in your life are. Uh, we're still in the first five weeks. I talked about this a couple times. The first five weeks of the year, we have all these uh, new year resolutions, and we stay with them for five weeks. So we're still in the five weeks. So I'm going to tell you another book. Right? Uh, Dr. Tim Keller wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods. And the whole book is about the idols of your heart. And he does such a good job of just taking you through different things that we put our functional trust in. And so I just say that as we're talking about that, I recommend that to you. It'd be well worth your time to read that book. It's not real big and it's pretty easy to read. But I'm going to give you just a couple things that he asks in there. Some of the diagnostic questions that he says. And I want you just to think about these for just a second. What do your thoughts effortlessly go to when there is nothing else demanding your attention? Think about that for just a second. When you have just a moment to yourself, where do your thoughts just effortlessly go to? He says those are the things that starts to reveal your heart's desires, your deepest desires, the things that are functioning in your life as idols. Or, or think about this one. How do you spend your money? And not just spend your money, but how do you, what do you buy without giving a second thought to it? I'll spend my money on that just like that without even thinking. What are those things? Or, or maybe a better way to say it is, is what do I spend money on in my life that I have to show restraint to kind of pull back because I can so easily overspend in this area? Because that starts to reveal your heart and what's most valuable to you. 
it begins to show what's a functioning idol in your life. Just by the way, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, it says that if you love God and his grace, you will spend generously on the spread of his gospel and those that are in need. Just that's what the Bible says. Right? That's what it looks like when we're so enraptured with what God's done for us. Third one, just think about this for a second. How do you respond to unanswered prayers and frustrated hopes? Right? The things that make you angry or make you despair if they don't work out the way you think. Right? That, that when that starts to happen, that starts to reveal our heart and what's going on and what's most important to us. Or another way to say it, just an extension of that, is to look at our heart's uncontrolled emotions. Things that make us angry are things that are quick to, to well up in us. Oftentimes that shows that there's something in there that we're, we're holding on to too tightly when it quickly makes us angry. Or, or uh, just one other one, what must we have to feel, to feel fulfilled or significant? Right? Is there something in your life that I have to have this or I don't have significance? Maybe it's a job, maybe it's some you know, recognition or whatever it is. We all have different things, but when you start... To ask those questions, it starts to reveal our deepest heart motivations. It's what we mentioned last week and we talked about a little bit uh, the past two weeks, really. But Hebrews 4 talks about God's word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it lays us bare. Right? It, says it, it gets in and uh, it, it pierces to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of your heart. And so when we ask these questions and we seek God on these things and we grow closer to him, what happens in true growth is these things get revealed. Our heart gets shown of what the things we're really trusting in. And so as I say all that, maybe you, you hear Hebrews 4 and you hear those things and you go, yeah, that's cutting a little bit. I'm getting laid bare. If we're really honest with ourselves and we ask those questions and the answers that we have, we start to get that and go, man, this kind of stinks. It started with the good hurts. There's certain times that things that aren't good or don't feel good to us, I should say, that are good for us, but are hard sometimes. But I want you to be encouraged. And I want us to end this way with just thinking about this for just a second on why this should encourage you. See, what happens is when your heart, when you're hearing those questions in your heart and you're really thinking about it and you're honestly seeking God and he starts to bring things to the surface. You're trusting in this and you're trusting in this and you're doing this instead of loving me. You know what that is? That is the Holy Spirit in you revealing the things that you're putting in God's place. That's God drawing you closer to him. He's saying, no, 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 you're trusting in this thing and that is going to fail you. And I don't want you to do that. Trust me. And so, so many times it is so hard. It is so hard when a, a good friend will come up and say, I think you blew it in this way. You're doing this. And you go, Right. But then when you stop and you realize and it pushes you closer to to rely more on God and what he's done for you, it's a good thing. And so as our heart starts to get revealed, as we read in Hebrews four and we get laid bare. Right. If we were just working and coming to God on our works, that would be awful. It would just show us how miserable we are. But that's not all there is. And so the last part I want us to think about in just a second with all this. In light of all this, the part that we really grow is, yes, we get these revealed. And yes, we see these things. And yes, we see where we're functioning with idols in our lives. But then the second step of that is then you have to preach the gospel to yourself daily. That Jesus has accepted me by what he does, not what I do. 
that he's purchased not only my right standing before God, he's purchased my holiness and my sanctification and moving closer and closer to that even in my walk today. And he's doing a work in me. And so we have to come back to that and tell yourself over and over that that we have to repent and lay it at his feet and keep telling ourselves and coming back to the gospel and saying that. Because otherwise it's just miserable. So you have to keep doing that, putting to death the idols in your life. And the only way that truly happens, the only way that you're not motivated out of guilt or fear is by seeing that God loves you eternally and he came and died for you. It's the only way. The only way that idols actually get put to death is when Jesus becomes so much more precious than anything else. When you begin to love Jesus more than you love your sin. That's the only way it can happen. And so we have to keep coming back over and over to the truth of the gospel or we'll miss it altogether. You know, as we end today, I want you just to be thinking about the seriousness of our sin and seeing that. I know that's hard to think about. To think about being revealed and seeing those things and repenting and, and coming before others and helping. Actually, next week in this passage even hints at it in verse 9 and verse 13. The importance of others in your life doing that. We're actually going to talk about that next week. That's one of the great things that helps us in this and growing. We need accountability and we need people in our life. And that's so important. We're actually going to come back to that next week and just talk about that. But we need these things and we need to be seeing and rooting them out and and doing that. And so I want you just to think about this as we're ending. Maybe you know the story in Luke chapter 7. As Jesus comes in and it says there's a, he's at the Pharisee's house and there's a woman that it says she's a sinner. That's all it tells us. It doesn't really tell us a whole lot about her. And she comes to Jesus and she's weeping at his feet. Right? And then she's washing his feet with her hair and her tears are wetting his feet and all this stuff. And the Pharisees, of course, as they always do, get real upset. And, they start to, and Jesus starts to tell the story and he turns to Peter and he starts to tell him and he says she's been weeping the whole time and she's been doing all this and then Jesus concludes with this he says therefore I tell you her sins which are many have been forgiven for she loved much but he who is forgiven little loves little and so what Jesus says is she is weeping at my feet because she knows her sin because she's repenting because she's seen who she is and she's seen who I am and she is so overtaken with it And so when we start to reveal the idols of our our heart and we start to root those out and we repent, then we start to see who we are more clearly. But then we see who he is more clearly and how much he loves us. And that he was willing to come and take all that on for you. And so as we end, I want you just to think about this. This is printed in your bulletin every week. And I don't know if you've ever noticed it. The prayers that are in there, it just simply says this. And this is what we're driving out with all of this. We are weaker and more sinful than we ever dared admit, but we are more loved and accepted than we ever dared hope. That when we come to the fullness of repentance and seeking to put to death that which is earthly in us, it reminds us over and over how sinful we are, but at the same time it reminds us how loved we are by what Christ has done for us. And so only with that balance of the gospel can we ever begin to do that and seek that. It's the only way that we can be free to look at those things and say, I want to put to death all that is earthly within me. I want those things rooted out. I heard this this week, and I'm going to end here and then we'll pray. That as you think about that, and I know that can be scary, but I want this to be in your mind as you just think about that process of how do I begin to root out the idols in my life. And just hear this and then we'll pray. You are completely loved and you have nothing to hide. 
You are perfectly righteous in Jesus, so you have nothing to prove. You are eternally loved, so you have nothing to fear. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we pray that that would be the reality of our hearts this morning, that we would be so enraptured by the gloriousness of the gospel, that you love us eternally, that you've done what we could never do for ourselves. You've come and you've taken our sin and you've given us your righteousness. And I pray that that would fuel us in all pursuits of growing closer to you, that we would be so open to wanting to root out all that is earthly within us so that we grow ever closer, ever more trusting in you and what you've done for us. We pray that we would be a people that loves you above all else, that you would just continually in your mercy and grace root out those things that keep us from trusting fully in you each and every day. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.